Yo people, welcome to Conversations with Kenji. I'm Kenji Gori, professional footballer, mindset coach and founder of On The Ball. This podcast provides a platform for those in the football world to share their stories, perspectives and life on and off the pitch. Welcome back to Conversations with Kenji. Today we are joined with my brother Sam Cox. It's such a mad story to be fair. I met Sam on the plane to Curacao with the national team and he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in football. And I can't wait to bring his spirit and his story on here today. Welcome to the show, brother. My brother, thank you for having me on, man. Nah, it's amazing, man. And even just seeing your face, bro, you make me smile, bro, just looking at you. <laughs> well, it's funny because we're doing this podcast now, but we have conversations on a weekly basis and we talk for hours and hours and hours with you and Bells as well. So now looking forward to this one for sure, man. Uh, serious, man. And that's why I wanted to bring you on here to really share that and even just speaking about your your story and for me it's just so, so inspiring like and I and you know what I love about you like you're just you you know you're just you which is rare to find especially in the football world you know like sometimes we can like people aren't really their true selves and and with you bro you you're just you and like <laughs> where like just going into that a little bit like where do you feel like that comes from um thank you by the way um, it's, it's funny because again, you, uh, meeting you on that plane um, on our way to you know the pre-goal cut, um, and then obviously connecting with you a couple of months later, um, you actually me and you we just connect so much because I feel like yeah we we both have the same vibe in 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 regards to not really caring what other people say, trying to help people, um, and like you say, just being yourself really, but. Where, where mine comes from, um, I'd, I'd definitely say my mum and dad, they are, yeah, they, they've, they've raised me to be the man I am today. And um, I guess, you know, they're, they're, if you ever meet my mum and dad, you see the personality that they've got. They're just so out there, um, very quirky. Uh, so I think that's where I probably get that quirky side from, from mum and dad for sure. So, you know, I'm... I'm I'm sure if you've seen some of the videos on Instagram or, or Snapchat of mum and dad, then, then you'll probably know where, where I get it from. But yeah, no, nah, that's, that, that's the reason for sure. Nah, I absolutely love it, bro. And that's what I love about you as well, man. The quirky side, oh, yeah, it kills me. Even that video on Instagram that you posted, that dance, bro, that absolutely <laughs> killed me. But even, even just to go back to that, like we'll definitely go into that Gold Cup story. Like that was obviously an amazing time in your career, in your life. That is, um, that's one of, the, one of the things that you experienced in your life. But just to go back to how it all started for you, bro, like where did it all start for you, man? Um, so I, I, I started playing from as early as I can remember, to be fair. Um, my dad would be taking me over the park as a kid. Um, and football was my passion um, from an early, early age. And I was very fortunate that my dad, he was... You know, he was a massive Arsenal fan, or is a massive Arsenal fan. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be taken to games over, you know, Highbury, and he'd take me, he'd take me all over the country. I mean, I remember going to games at Everton, and you know, I used to go over Barnet. So, you know, I developed a passion from an early age. Um, my dad was a bit worried, though, because he used to take me over the park when I was a kid. He bought me my, my pair of Puma Kings. I'm still wearing my Pumas now. <laughs> but he, he bought me a pair of Puma Kings. I must have been about five or six and he'd take me over the park and it would be muddy and whatever and um, I wouldn't actually go on the grass because I didn't want to get my boots muddy so 
oh, my dad would say, come on, come on, let's go and kick the ball about. And I'd literally put my tiptoe onto the grass and um, I'd start crying. I'd be like, oh, don't get my boots dirty. So my, I remember my dad would be like, he'd come home from, <laughs> from the park and my mum would be like, so how did you get on at football tell? And you know, <laughs> that kid ain't got a chance of it. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to actually get vexed. That's the mad thing. He used to get vexed. <laughs> I don't think it was until like seven I started like actually putting my foot on the mud. <laughs> Funnily enough, that's why now all, all I do is slide around and get my shorts dirty. The kit men hate me. So I, it flipped around the older I got. But yeah, no, nah, it, it, it started of an early age, that passion and, and you know, that, that, that want to become a professional footballer. And I wanted to emulate my idols. You know, I love players like, you know, I love players like Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane and, you know, those real you know, getting stuck in their players and, and tenacious kind of aggressors. And yeah, I always wanted to be a leader. I loved, I loved being a captain as a kid. And, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere without my captain's armband. I used to, do you remember all sports? I used to get the captain's armband from all sports. Mum used to buy it. I used to walk into the school uniform on with a captain's armband. <laughs> and I don't think I've taken it off since. Oh my days, you are amazing, bro. You are amazing. Like even even you, when your dad said you got no chance, that they said no oh chance. But but how so? How did that come about? And like you, obviously you started playing. Like what happened from there? Um, so obviously got myself into a grassroots team, um, Watling Boys Football Club, where you know I was lucky. We had a really talented side, and um, I think by the age of nine, I started attracting. I started to attract scouts and. Um, went on trials, went to Watford, Fulham, Arsenal. This is between nine and nine and fourteen. Really, I was I was trialing off the back of you know quite of quite a successful grassroots side, um, and yeah, it was just kind of a case of you're either not good enough, either too small, not what we're looking for right now. Technically, you need work. Um, so it was, it was quite a lot of setbacks to be fair from an early age um, and again I was fortunate to have gone to a high school where there were so many talented players we had I think four, four or five boys in, our, in, in academies Chelsea, Fulham, Watford so I was very blessed to be in, in a, a school team as well which had decent players but I always felt like I was I was never recognised as the best and that used to kill me mm. even in a school team I was always considered like the third best, you know, oh, Wayne's the best, Onge is the best, Onge is my boy, one of my best friends. Um, and I remember, like, you know, the girls would speak about it. You know, when you see, oh, who's the best footballer? And you hear, oh, Sam's third best. And stuff like that used to kill me, bro. It used to kill me. And, um, yeah, I, I always wanted, I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get there. I'm going to make sure I'm a full-time footballer. And... Um, yeah, it was uh, 2004, I think it was, the London Youth Games, 2005 London Youth Games. I was representing Brent, um, my, 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 my district side. And um, yeah, we, we, we went on to win the final. And funnily enough, um, I got picked up by a scout there. It was a Tottenham scout. Um, funny story in that as well, because the actual scout knew my dad. But they hadn't seen each other for like 25 years or something like that. They used to be best friends, had a falling out. Um, and he was over uh, Crystal Palace scouting the day we was at the London Youth Games. So um, he's come over and my dad's seen him. 
and he hasn't said anything to him. And the scout's gone over to the manager and said, who's, who's your number eight? Um, he said, oh, that's his dad over there. And then them two got back and, and connected with each other again. Um, I got brought into Tottenham, did a few development centres. Um, yeah, I got brought in for a six-week trial off the back of that. And yeah, that was it. I, I, was, I was fortunate enough to have got signed off the back of previously getting pied from Watford, getting pied from Arsenal, getting pied from Fulham. Pied from Watford twice. So this was this was quite late as well. I must have been under fifteen. So I was the last of my age group to come in with, you know, an unbelievable age group that, that we had. So um yeah, that's 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 pretty much my story from an early oh, age. Man. Wow, that's it that's that's mad. Like even just when you were speaking about like them setbacks, you know, like from set like even you, you just saying the setbacks like brings back so many memories for me where you know you get so many setbacks from an early age you get so many like managers mm. saying oh no right not not this moment you know like yeah. like even from that such a young age like that kind of listening to you that kind of motivated you it kind of motivated mm. you to to continue to to keep going and show everybody no i am like i am gonna do it and just mm. that grit and that determination from yourself like it fueled you to keep going like but mm. how how did you actually manage all of that like the expectations of the people the people around you and the expectations of 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 that side of things and your friends and your family like how did that come about it was tough Kenj because uh, ultimately not only did I want to do it for myself but I felt like I I, I wanted to do it for mum and dad as well because you know they take you up and down the country from seven eight years old they pay your subs anywhere uh, every every session that you go to they pay your signing on fee when you're at grassroots club, that was a hundred quid or whatever money it was back then. Um, the petrol driving up to all these games and stuff like you want to, you want to give something back. And um, you know, dad, he, he, you know, but they buy football boots, take you to games, and I think that was my drive because um, I knew how much my dad wanted me to succeed and my mum. So yeah, I couldn't stop. And yeah, even at a young age. Um, getting setbacks it's, it's, it's actually really tough mm. um, but I remember mum and dad they were always they, they installed in me from an early age and I never ever got too down my downs were never too down mm. so even when I'd get like I'd get pied from Watford and they said you know not quite what we're looking for I've been on trial there for about a year who goes on trial for a year <laughs> um, I, was, I was there for about a year and then at the end of that um, they just said yeah no not what we're looking for and I remember dad said, well, just use his experience, son. Don't worry about it. On to the next one. It was kind of just like on to the next one, on to the next one. Wow. Yeah, it used to get to me. I think the older I got, I think when I was on trial under 14 or under 13, I think it was, that started getting to me then because I'd see the boys in my school that were at their respective clubs, the Arsenal's, the Fulham's, Chelsea's, Watford's. And that used to get to me. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I knew I couldn't stop. But when I did the Tottenham one, it was different because um, I, I kind of did it by myself. I told my dad, "I don't want you coming to the games." I said, "I didn't want." Yeah, I didn't want that pressure, um, and I didn't want to let him down again. Not that he ever put pressure on me. Mm -hmm. Dad, they, they've always been just give it your best. Hundred. If you could give a hundred percent and walk away from whatever you do, having give, given your best, then you know you, you, you can't be ashamed of that. But yeah, I said to dad, I said, look, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go to games on my own. I don't want you to come. I'll let you know how I got on. 
that did frustrate him. But at the end of it, when I got signed, it was like, it didn't work. So um, how did I deal with the expectations? I just got on with it. And um, yeah, again, I, I, I'm, I'm very grateful to mum and dad for installing that mentality into me of, you know, just go again onto the next one, give 100%. If it's not good enough, then at least you can say you tried your best. So mm. yeah, man. Yeah, I think that's that's massive. Like, even when you just said, like, for you to get told no by Watford, get told no by uh, the Fulhams and stuff like that, like, mm -hmm. to still have the strength and the, even the courage to continue to to go after that next challenge, to go after that next challenge. Because a lot of a lot of us like <laughs> give up. You yeah. know, when things get too hard, when things get too tough, it's like you know what, just it's not going to work out. Like, did you ever have that feeling from you know this is this isn't going to be it anymore? I mean, getting to under-15s, you kind of get in cold feet because, you're, you know, it's the year after, it's scholarship year and decisions are being made. So um, I was always good in school. Um, so my, my plan was if it didn't work out, I was going to go into something in sports, maybe sports journalism or something along those lines. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, it was definitely I, – I, I definitely thought that I might have to take up an educational route. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate enough to get that trial at Tottenham and you know do well, and everything fell into place at that time. Um, ended up getting my scholarship a year after, and you know that was it was like a dream come true really at the time. I think we all want to become professional footballers, and for me to get through the door at such a late stage in the age group that I was in at Tottenham, um, you know it was it was unbelievable. And it just shows you know you could get pie from these clubs um, where they weren't technically as good the players at the other clubs they weren't as good and then I just fell into place at Tottenham what I was doing there it worked at Tottenham mm. I was the one that ran round um, got the ball off the players and gave it to the better players and I was the aggressor in midfield or, or at the back wherever I played and I probably that what they said I, I know now I'm on, the, I'm, I'm on the coaching team and you know still speak to the coaches that brought me in I was the one that apparently made the other players around me better because wow. they could get the ball more. So everything falls into place, but it just shows like what I was doing at Tottenham, it worked. It didn't work what I was doing at Arsenal or Fulham or, or Watford. So yeah, it's just, it just shows. Yeah. So interesting, man. And we'll definitely go into that uh, coaching side of things as well. But just something that you said, like about no, like it felt like from an early age, you knew your qualities. You knew what you brought to the team. And I think like as a young player, you kind of, like as a player, as a professional anyway, I feel like you kind of need to know what your qualities are rather than trying to be something that you might not even be. Like I can remember like going back to, going back to United, like I used to like overdo things, like way overdo things like, that my quality didn't allow to do. Mm. Like I would see like Adnan Yanuza, I'd take everybody on and I'd try yeah. and do the same thing because I was a winger as well. You know, yeah. so it's kind of like, knowing your qualities, knowing what you're good at and sticking to that rather than trying to be somebody that you're not. And I feel like that's what you kind of brought to that team. You kind of brought that, um, that side of it, that, yeah. that identity yeah. to the team. And yeah. you, you kind of got the best out of the other players around you. Yeah. And, you know, just going into that as well for you, like how was that initial jump for you? Because you came in late. Like for me, like I, I, I was there from six years old. I was at United, went through all the age groups at six. But for you to come in at 15, you know, you kind of, 
behind the guys that have already had like the schooling mm. of of the yeah. um, of the the basics and stuff like that like how was that process from coming into grassroots and from 15 years old go, making that jump yeah well i think the previous trials that i'd been on put me in good stead um, going on trial to tottenham i knew what the academy structure was about and you know i, I kind of knew what to expect off the back of that but tottenham was a different level I mean, you had players that were playing for the England schoolboys. You had Andrew Townsend, Ryan Mason, Adam Smith. Wow. Well, you had Stephen Corker in there. And when you, we was 15s and 16s, so then you had the Jake Livermores and, you know, Danny Rose was just coming in. And, yeah, you had all these players. The level was high, high level. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do think what I brought to, to that was that, tenacious side was that raw side was that um kind of the leadership qualities and not giving up and a bit of grit and determination which probably those boys didn't have as much maybe they developed that at a later stage but I kind of had that raw grit and um, coming into a side that was very technically astute and technically gifted rather than that you know aggressive side so that's where I fit in there <clears throat> did I have my technical shortcomings yeah, of course I did. And that's probably the reason why, you know, I never made it into the first team <clears throat> or broke through um, because I did have my technical shortcomings. And yeah, that was probably due to the fact that I wasn't there from an earlier age. I know it was a fact that I wasn't there from an earlier age. Like you said, me again, seeing it on the other side as with, with my coaching hat on, kids that are there earlier and develop those brilliant basics from, you know, the foundation phase that puts them in such good stead the older they get. And, you know, even now when you see, when I see trialers coming in at 14, 15, 16, if they haven't been somewhere or haven't had that, that, that um, technical foundation, that technical base work, then, you know, they're always playing catch up. And for me, I think, you know, it, it worked for me under 15, 16, youth team um, and in the resis. But, you know, if, if you're looking to develop a career at the top, top level, you've got to be able to do all those basics brilliantly. Receiving the ball, left and right foot, spraying the ball, left and right foot, checking your shoulder, being able to open up and ping a ball. Like You have to do everything. As a midfielder playing at the top level, you have to be able to do everything. And looking back, as you say, probably I had my technical shortcomings because I came in so late. But, you know, it is the way it is. I've been fortunate to have a career in the game. And if you said to me at, um, 15 years old when I was in school being called the third best I was going to have a career in the game and earn a living out of it and and um, you know go and represent my country and stuff like that then you know I, I would have bitten your hand off so yeah now nah, you're that's why I'm saying like even just to hear your, your story from from how it all started like it's so inspiring it's so inspiring to to hear what you had to go through to get to, to where you actually were. But just to go back to that Spurs time, like now you're in the youth team, you know, you, you fought your way through it from, from an early age to get to where you, where you went. But it also gets to a point where now you want to go and play first team. You know, you want to go and, um, go and experience first team football. And a lot of players will be going on loan from big clubs right now. You know, like, for you that went on a couple loans, like how were them experiences for you? Well, I think the, the system has changed massively to what it was back, you know, in, back in 2010 when I was a, you know, reserve player. Um, back then it almost felt like you was judged upon how you did on loan. 
and it was kind of you know you hit you hit your first year pro and you've got to be going out alone and all of my boys um they were getting league one loan i think andros went to watford in the champ no he went to yeovil first actually but i think there was a group of players that went to yeovil in league one you had mason corker abika andros um, they all went on loan to yeovil you had adam smith that had gone to wickham i think it was and the core of my age group, Bostock, went went on loan to uh, Hull, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had the core of that, what that youth team was, and they they'd gone on loan. And the fact that, if I'm honest with myself, I wasn't ready for a loan. I was a skinny little 18, 19 year old or 19, 20 year old, old I was, with long hair down to my back, um, not developed enough physically, and um, yeah, I, I got. I remember I was. Me and Callum Butcher, who's now at Dundee United, it was only us two that was left from our resi side. So we had no resi manager. Clive Allen at the time had gone up to the first team with Harry Redknapp. So if I'm honest, I wasn't good enough to be training with the first team week in, week out. I was too old to be playing in the youth team. So I was almost in limbo. I had no coach in the resis. All of my other boys, they'd gone out on their respective loans. So I felt like, yeah, I've gone from having such a successful two-year scholarship period to now being in limbo. I don't think it was until the October where Martin Allen um, asked me to go on loan to Cheltenham. And they were bottom of League Two at the time. And I remember getting the call. I was in digs. And Coxie, you're, you're going on loan to, to Cheltenham. Pack your bags. You've got to drive up there. And I, and I arrived at Cheltenham. I went and I was, I was excited just to get out because you know, all my boys were out playing league football and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing now. Anyway, I went to Cheltenham and um, what an experience that was. As you can imagine, your first loan under Martin Allen. Um, all I've known is obviously the, the luxury of Tottenham and you know, yeah. getting, getting your bum wiped at Tottenham, really, the, how nice the facilities are and everything. Unbelievable pitches good lunches and then you go to Cheltenham and it's like a sloppy pitch yeah there's um, yeah. <laughs> you've got Martin Allen's dog running around the training ground and I've got so many stories about Martin Allen but yeah it was just you're with men now and you have to you have to grow up fast and like I say if I'm honest I wasn't physically ready I played I think I only played one game on loan got sent back after one game because um, at the time Martin Allen was going through some allegations I think he ended up getting the sack I made my debut playing centre-back centre-back away at Accrit and Stanley who were flying at the time and we got absolutely uh, yeah <laughs> trounced four, four zip um, and yeah that was my debut and I got sent back after that and then I'm back in limbo again mm. training with the youth team sporadically training with the first team not really know what's going on. And I think I went on loan to Torquay after that. But again, another League 2 relegation battle. It was a complete different style of football. Mm. It was a complete different dynamic. Um, and if I'm honest, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. But ultimately, I was being judged at the same time for the lack of games that I was playing. Yeah. I was being judged for my performances. And by the time I'd come back off that loan at Torquay a new regime was beginning to, to develop. Tim Sherwood and Les Ferdinand were coming in. Um, never really clicked with Tim. He was one person that, at the club that, you know, um, yeah, we, we didn't have the strongest connection as I did with the previous coaches. 
And yeah, before before not before not long, you know, I was I was getting told, you know, Coxie, you have to um, start looking for something else for next season. And that was that was how quick it was. Yeah. You gone from season before being on the bench in the UEFA Cup against Shakhtar the next to the following season, you know, being told that you know you're gonna have to look for something else. So. Um, just that's, to, that's just the way it goes. Go into that, just to go into them loans, Coxie, like, what would you advise, like, somebody that's co- going from the Prem, they're going on loan now to, to League Two? Like, I can remember, like, in my situation where I was at Swansea and now it's like, all right, I want to go and play first-team football. I need to be playing every week. And, and now I'm like, I, I, I want to go on loan and play. Yeah. Like, what advice would you give to, to somebody that's going through that right now? Just before we move further into this episode, I want to ask you, do you feel like you are currently getting the most out of your life? Not just talking on the pitch here. I believe that life is all about growing in all areas. And to guide you in your growth, I've developed the On The Ball Mindset Planner. A planner to support athletes in finding out who they really are, beyond the pitch. This planner will get you thinking ahead while staying in the present. By its life assessments, daily goal settings and journal prompts and so much more. To get yours now, go to ontheballmindset.com. The content in this planner really did change my life, and my hope is that it changes yours too. I would say make your make your own decision. Mm. If you if you're not happy with something, you don't have to do it. At the end of the day, it's your decision. Um, at the time, I was back then. I was very yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir, and I hadn't developed that personality where I asked enough questions. I was very grateful to be at the club, very grateful to be a pro at the club. Um, but I, 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 you know, looking back now, in hindsight, I wish I had the, the attitude and mentality I have now. If I'm not happy with something now, I'll go into the gaffer's office and say, gaffer, I'm not very happy with that. Or I'm not too sure about this. Or why can't we look down this avenue? Um, back then it was, you know, you're going here. Okay, yeah, no problem. I'm going to go. Um, but you've got, to, you've got to look at the club you're going to as well. I mean... I remember getting told I was going on loan to Cheltenham. I remember getting told I was going on loan to Torquay. Both struggling sides at the time. And again, it's a great opportunity for, for, for some players. But for me, it wasn't right. The style of football, one, it was um, completely different to what I'd known. Yes, you have to develop these attributes as a player anyway. So yeah, it was a good experience to learn that. But was it going to give the best account of myself? Mm. Um, no, it, it wasn't going to. Um, so did I do enough research into the clubs that I was going on low to no I didn't I was just you know getting told I was going and I went but for me the club that you do go on loan to it, it has to be the right one for you which is going to bring the best out of you so I yeah that would be my massive property what you just said like it has to come from you and it yeah. has to also come from you know you have to do your research yeah you've got to do your research from who the gaffer is who the players are that you're going to be exactly like you have to do your research and and that's something that i really did you know it's something that i really did go and making my loans like i really and like i had to speak to the gaffer before i went i had to speak to the club before i made the decision to go there because yeah i didn't want to go into something that what is a surprise that i'm here or it's a surprise like i've seen a lot of situations where the gaffer doesn't even know that a player's coming in and they're coming in now and it's like, oh, what are you doing here? Sure. And then it's like, and, it, and it's like just to prevent you from going into that situation, like you have to be prepared sure. to, to that. So, so yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to hear what you, what you just said. Like that is, it's amazing advice for footballers that are going through that. But something that you touched on was it gets to a point where 
You know, you're being at Spurs and you're getting told that you're not going to be getting a new contract. Like, how, how was that moment for you? Um, it was gutting, to be honest, because, you know, I'd really built a home at Tottenham. It was all my mates were there. I'd, I'd built great friendships with the players. Um, I was close with the coaches. I'd had success um, throughout the youth team and throughout my schoolboy years. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, getting told that you have to move on and really and truly, I didn't want to. And I felt like I still needed more time to develop, like going back to saying, um, coming in late and still having those technical shortcomings, but making progress, but probably needing more time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably, in, 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 re- in reality, I needed another one or two years um, to develop in the um, development squad. Um, we got rid of the reserve league and it now become a development squad. This was all before the under-23s. And I feel like if we had maybe that um, time scope of having the under-23s, which there is now, maybe I would have been there for another you know, year or two or to develop and home in on those technical shortcomings. But yeah, no, it was, it was difficult to take. It was, it was, it was disappointing and a, and a big, a big setback for myself. Um, yeah, it was gutting because I remember the year after when I'd signed at Barnet, um, that was, the boys started breaking through into the first team and started training more regularly and you're seeing it in the papers, you're reading it, you're seeing it on the group chats. On the on the BBM group chats back then, it was Blackburn Messenger back then. But um, yeah, no, that was that was tough, and I think you know, um, back then was probably the most difficult time. Probably that first year at Barnet, seeing my mates kicking on, and me, yeah, struggling at a League Two side. That was that was that was tough. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, I can imagine that being so hard, man. Like even. Even like just seeing the guys getting opportunities, and you're always yeah. waiting for opportunity. You're like, like even I can remember like at Swansea, for example. Like I decided to leave out to National here, and then basically the whole first team now is the players that I played with. Wow! Literally the whole first yeah. team, and it just, it just, it's just mad. Like thinking like, oh, what, what if I stayed? You know, what if? Yeah. What ifs? And 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 like, it's not that I regret anything because. I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't Exactly, through. exactly. And that's like, even looking at your story, you wouldn't be who you are today if you didn't go through the things. That exactly, exactly. So like, that's something that I really thrive on, but obviously it's hard in the moment, right? It's, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard in the moment, man. And yeah, you don't, you don't see it then because you're, you're young, not as mature, not as wise. Um, all you're seeing is the, the here and now. And yeah, it was heavily disappointed, like you say, but... Um, I've got no regrets. Everything happens for a reason. I'm, I've become the man that I am today because of these setbacks. And just like yourself, um, you know, there, there's always a, a bigger picture and there's always more. And for me now, I see it. The best is yet to come. Mm-hmm. Where you know, I'm, I'm nearly 30 now. I'm 29 years old, but I know my best days are ahead of me. So yeah, no, I, I, it's taken me time to mature. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely see the positives in everything that I've gone through for sure, man. Nah, definitely, man, definitely. But something that I wanted to touch on as well, bro, is, you know, like in football, there's also a life outside of football, you know, and I love to, and I kind of, I'm really passionate about footballers, not just being the best on the pitch, but being the best off the pitch as well. But something that that is massive is is that, we also have a life outside of football, you know, things that happen outside of football that also affect 
our football. You know, yeah. is there a certain moment in your life that you kind of had to go through while having to perform at the top level as well? Yeah, I've, like going back to the, the, the first year I had at Barnet after leaving Spurs, um, that was a year that that shook me, to be fair. Not, not just the fact that I'd come out of the club that I loved, that I'd built great relationships with players and, you know, was enjoying my football. I'd then gone to Barnet, um, struggling League Two side, relegation battle for two years, which was tough in itself. Six managers in one season, um, which was crazy. So it was very um, turbulent would be the word that I'd say. But not only that, outside of football, uh, my mum getting ill um, was, was a, a really tough time for me. Um, yeah, it, not many people know it was a tough time, you know, mentally. Um, at a, you know, being a 20, 20, well, 21 year old, um, having to deal with that outside. My mum was in a coma for seven weeks and in intensive care for 14, 14 weeks. So, yeah, no, it was, it was, um, it was out of the blue because my mum and dad, they, they'd gone away for um, anniversary to Vegas and mum came back. She's up, she's a, a fit woman that never missed a day of work. And then all of a sudden, these times I was living back at my mum and dad's, I obviously wasn't at Diggs and Spurs anymore. And I was local at mum and dad's, hadn't moved out yet. And, you know, you wet, I'm, I'm thinking I'm having a nightmare. And you hear your mum breathless in the other room just, yeah, not being able to take a breath. And I woke up and I was thinking, what's going on here? Ran to my mum and dad's room and my mum's there not being able to breathe. And my dad's, you know, crying on the phone to the ambulance. Uh, that was a that was a traumatising time at the time, looking back. I probably don't think about it. I don't really think about it enough. And at the time, I didn't realise how, you know, serious that was. And, you know, it's a miracle. Uh, mum's still here today, you know, after having been in the coma for seven weeks and, you know, having machine breathe for her. You know, my mum has been my rock since I can remember and she is my best friend. I'll, I won't be shy to say it. My mum's my best friend. And obviously, we're so close now off the back of it, of what's happened. But, um, you know, to go through that, um, I remember my dad was adamant that I still trained as well. I mean, I'd just come out of the team. I'd had a run in the first team. New Gafford come in, Paul Fairclough, and I was out the team again. Um, I wasn't really enjoying um, my time uh, because I, it was so topsy-turvy and turbulent and my dad was like you, even though what was going on with mum and he would still be adamant that I go in and train no you're going training today you're going training I didn't want to go to training I wasn't putting the best account of myself um, on the training pitch and I remember at that time I remember even <laughs> I'm never shy <laughs> of a tackle anyway but I remember just not trying to hurt players, but just making silly tackles in training. And my head just wasn't, wasn't there because I knew after training, I'd be going home or I know, I'd be going straight to the hospital to see my mum being kept alive by a machine, um, not knowing if she was going to wake up. And then, um, yeah, going home of an evening and like my dad just being um, in bits, really. My dad's just like crying and stuff and, it was hard that that time in my life was hard to deal with that but you know through through god's grace um mum's still here today and you know she survived she never worked again but she's fit healthy um she can like for example getting up a set of stairs going up one stair is like climbing eight stairs for us so 
that's kind of um, how our lungs operate now. Um, but yeah, it was just um, a mad time in my life that I probably don't think about enough. Um, didn't think about it. And I, I just thought my mum would, um, my mum's my mum. She's like superwoman. She's going to survive it. But at the time, I didn't know how serious it was. And it really is a miracle that she's here today. And, you know, it's just, you know, you just got to give glory to God. Amen. God, man. Bro, I'm kind of speechless, man. Like, thank you so much for sharing that. Like, even just to have the courage to share that and, and the traumatic experiences that you actually went through as well as having to perform on the pitch. Like, it's, I don't even know what to say right now. Like, just, bro, you're, you're amazing, man. Like, Love even you. everything that you've, that you've just shared there, like, I can't even imagine, like, what you must have gone through and what you, you had to go through and also having to, having the pressures of having to perform because that is your life. You know, football mm -hmm. is what we do and there's so many players that are going through things outside of football, but having the pressures of having to perform because this is, this is your life at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. so football doesn't go the way that you desire. Like, what, what are you going to do? And there's so yeah. much pressure that comes with that where, you know, like there's obviously way more to life than just football, but that's all we know. Mm. You know? And especially like listening to your story there, like listening to, to what you had to go through, like going to the training ground, having to, to train and then, going to see if your mum's still alive like uh, like you, you like, I don't even know I can't comprehend what you must have been feeling bro what you had to go through and yeah. and just thank you for sharing that bro like thank you nice. so much for, for sharing that and and it's definitely helped people that are going through something traumatic in their life right now mm. but what would what is there something that you would advise somebody that is going through something so horrible in their life right now but having to to perform to the top level that um, in as fo what football brings? Um, I think probably, you know, having that one person to be able to confide in. Um, mm. I, I don't think I ever really confided in anyone, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm someone that always put on a brave face and still do to this day. But... Um, I just wish I spoke to even my the gaffer at the time at, at, at Barnet and just said, look, this is a situation. He knew my mum was um, ill. I don't think he knew the severity of it. Um, but I just wish I told someone. I couldn't speak to my dad, really, because every time we of an evening, he would be, he would be crying, like, mm -hmm. hysterically. And, you know, that's, it's, that's strange for, your, for the son to see the dad crying anyway, because that's the, you know, the man of the house. So... Couldn't really speak to my dad about the way I felt. All I knew was, you know, this was serious because his dad's crying every day. And yeah, it was tough, man. Yeah, it was tough. Wow, man. Wow. Like, even like, I've got, I'm, I'm speechless, bro. I'm actually speechless because it's, it's, it's mad. It's mad. And I can't even comprehend the things that. You must have felt in that time, like the things that you had to overcome in that time. Like, bro, thank you again for sharing that, man. Like, I, I don't even even now that like, I'm welling up. I don't. I'm not even. Yeah, I'm trying to talk, but yeah, I'm just trying to get it out, man. But now it's cool. I'm I'm good. Um, like I say, it's, it's I'm grateful that mum that dad, you know, dad got through that period and we was there for mum and she got through that by God's grace. But yeah, I know. I think I don't even think I'm 
I really knew the severity of it and what I was going through at that time. That even now I'm getting emotional, bruv. But yeah, man, it's what advice I'd give. Just try and confide in someone and 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 talk it out. And if if you feel like you can't do something, then you know you you just got to say it. You just got to be honest with yourself. Um, I pushed myself through it, and you know I was training every day, probably just. You know, probably the players at the time are probably thinking Coxie's going to break someone's leg soon if he carries on like this. But yeah, I was maybe um, a hazard to myself and my my teammates at the time. So yeah, like, I, I, it was it was my mum that was going through the hard stuff. So yeah, I, I can't complain. Nah, Coxie, man, I've literally got goosebumps just listening to how you're speaking, bro. Because like people like. <laughs> We don't realise the, the challenges that we actually face, you know, mm. like even like people like, especially like in the football world, it's like, we got to swallow it and we got to fight. We got to yeah. go, like, you got, you got to swallow whatever's happening and you got to give it all on the pitch and leave it all on the pitch. Like your life doesn't really get taken into consideration. It's like, yeah. we don't care about what's going on in your life. We just need you to perform on the pitch. And, yeah. then, and that's why, like, even just looking at the top players out there, like, there's so much pressure that goes into their, into their performances and into yeah. their life that they have to perform on the highest level every single week. But people don't know what they're going through outside of it. 100%. Everyone's got a life outside of football. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the pressures are, are, are humongous. Like, I can't imagine, you know, if I was going through that playing, you know, in front of 40,000 at White Hart Lane, I don't know how I would have been able to cope with that. And, and there's the reality is, there's definitely someone that's going through, you know, um, hardship in their life that are playing at all, all yeah. steps, all levels of, of, of the footballing pyramid. So, um, yeah, man. Now, thank you so much for sharing that, Coxie, man. You're a light and you're a real inspiration, bro. And, bro, trust me, like, even you just saying this, like, it's helped so many people listening to this, players that are going through um, traumatic situations as we speak you know there's definitely people listening to this like going through that so thank you so much for sharing that Love, um and, and being vulnerable to do that but just to go into your into something that was so big for you you know to captain your side guyana the national team yeah. like what you represent like how did that come about for you bro well this is again a story that i don't know would have happened if it wasn't for the journey that i've been on and you know i'd after Barnet, I'd dropped down into non-league after the back of, you know, two years of relegation battle. Um, if you're not getting consistent games in, you know, back end of League Two, um, you know, there's only one place you're going and that's, you know, the National League and the conference at the time. And, you know, I'd signed at Boreham Wood. Um, you know, we had a really good change of room, good team spirit, and we was doing really well um, in the conference south at the time. And, you know, I was captain Bournemouth at the time. We had a really good year and we got to the playoff final. Um, and we had actually had a player in the team called Ricky Shapes who played for the national team of Guyana. And I was always inquisitive um, about the Guyana national team. I mean, you know, coming up through Tottenham, you don't really think that one day you're going to play for Guyana. If anything, you know, you're surrounded by boys that all play for England. And, you know, I'd, I'd done my research on Wikipedia and done YouTube stuff throughout the years and checked to see how the Guyana national team were. But you always thought you never hear of these on telly. Do you know what I mean? You never hear of these, you know, in the, in, in the spotlight or mm. see them in the FIFA rankings. But anyway, we've gone to Bournemouth now and Ricky Shakes is there and I'm asking, what's, what's it like? Ricky? Like, How did you end up playing for Guyana? I'm asking questions. 
And um, throughout the season, the uh, player recruitment officer, Faisal Khan, had come down to watch a few games. And obviously, he'd been made aware by Ricky Shakes that I was Guyanese and obviously doing well in, in, in the Congo itself. Um, and yeah, halfway through the season, Faisal contacted me and said, you know, there may be an opportunity for you to go and represent the national team and make sure you get your passport in place and all this and that. And um, I had to do, I had to find my granddad's birth certificate. I had to find all these documents and um, I, I thought it was never ending, to be honest. Like, it just, I'm trying to dig out all these pieces of artefacts that are probably fossiled over and dusty in, in my nan's loft. <laughs> anyway, found them all and we got to season end in the playoff final. And um, yeah, I got a call from the gaffer, Jamal Shabazz, after, I think it was a day after the game. And he said, asked me how I was, got introduced to him. And he said, how would you like to represent the national team at World Cup qualifiers in the summer? I was like, I'd love to. Like, what an opportunity to go and reconnect with my roots, um, see another side of the world, uh, travelling, the Caribbean, South America. Yeah, make my mum and dad proud, make my nan proud, granddad proud. 100% I'm in. Um, and at the time, it was I was, you know... Seeing that, there was bringing players such as Neil Dans, who was at Bolton at the time, Matty Briggs, who just left Fulham. And yeah, there was, there was something that was developing there that I, that I was seeing that came in at a time where, you know, the, the structure of the programme was changing. And I remember, because we had the playoffs, I flew over there quite late. So the Danzies, the Briggsies, Marcel Barrington, they were there already. So I was coming late into the camp. And um, I just remember flying. I flew over on my own. And um, got there and Danzy and Briggsy and the other uh, English-based boys, they were all having days off, so they were still in bed. So I'm getting introduced to the local Guyanese players and they're all looking at me like, kissing their teeth, like, <laughs> English boy, <yeah. laughs> like, English white boy. I was called white boy. They called me white boy. Just, I was thinking, what's going on here? I've never been called white boy in my life. So anyway, Danzy and Briggsy, they weren't there from my first <laughs> session. They weren't there for my first session. I had to train and I got on the bus. Um, and I remember trying to sit down on the bus. And they're not like coaches that you go to games in over here. These are like school buses over there. Proper school bus, you know. I've seen your bus, one of your buses got like seashells in it. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, ours, ours is like a party bus. It's mad. Like you, <laughs> we got a party bus. I remember the Curacao party bus. That was lit, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm on, the, on the bus now and... Um, yeah, they're not letting me sit down on any of this. I'm like, can I sit here, please? And I was so, like, I was, you know me, I'm, I'm polite to everyone. Oh, you're right, I'm, I'm Sam Cox, nice to meet you. I was trying to sit down on the chairs, and it's, someone's sitting here, buddy. They can't, can't sit here, can't sit here, can't sit here. I thought, okay. Ended up having to sit at the front. Like, well, no one let me sit down there. And um, like I say, all the, all the English-based boys were in the hotel still. They, I think the gaffer was very good like that when, you know, the, the overseas players needed a day off. He'd give them a day off because obviously they weren't used to the climate um, and playing and training in the sun. So it used to be quite cute with them. But for me, it was my first day after flying late. And, um, yeah, I remembered that. I remember, like, being called white boy. I remember being told that I can't sit down next to players and yeah just how kind of like unwelcoming the local base players were um but yeah I'll never forget you know my first couple of sessions um 
I remember in training just in the five O's and I remember just lifting a few people up in the air. And I just went, bosh, just have yeah. some of that. I remember the people that said it to me and I just took them out cleanly, but just let them recognize yeah, that, no. I'm not, that I'm not someone that you could be taking liberties with. Um, put some respect on my name kind of thing. And, you know, it's from that moment um, in training where I did dig a few people out and I chucked in a few um, harsh words whilst I was training because I, I trained the way I play. And I think they saw that. They saw the intensity at the way I worked. And from then on, I, I, you know, I got that respect and I made my debut against St. Vincent. Um, I ended up getting a couple of assists and, you know, I'd, I'd done okay in, in, in that game. And um, I think it was the, not the following trip when we played Puerto Rico and then it was the following trip when we played Curaçao, actually. I don't know if you was there. No, I wasn't there. Um, the, the game against Curaçao, this was only less than a year later, um, I was being made captain. So, you know, I, I went from being called white boy and not being allowed to sit anywhere on the bus to being called skipper in the space of, wow. you know, eight months. So, yeah, it was, it was a wild journey um, in that regard. But I've made so many great friends. And, you know, I look back at that moment now and I'm so close with everybody over there, all the local base players, all the overseas players. that We've got a real brotherhood now at Guyana. And, you know, like I say, it was something that I could see um, progress was being made and you know year by year month by month the program's gone from strength to strength and you know I think it, it was epitomised last year when we um, beat Belize to qualify for the Gold Cup that was kind of like the the, the, the icing on the cake for me. You so. know what's amazing about this Coxie because you've kind of with what you did you've changed the whole perspective and the whole culture of what it was like what I read what I've um, took away from this story is that you know like it's so easy like to go over there and it's like it's overwhelming because they're like yeah. in their perspective they're like they're coming over here to come and take yeah. you're coming to take my I'm not going to let you just come over here and take my spot and the way that you acted the way that you did it's like we're coming here to, to help you guys to, to help you lift it and you showed that so now you've changed their whole perspective of, of what you did, how you acted, and yeah. how you then changed the whole conversation of how other players from England can now come into an environment, into a family environment. And that's just testimony to what, who you are and what you bring to the Thank world. Like, it's amazing, man. It's inspirational. And, Thank you, bro. And, that is, and that's literally what life is about, man. Like Life is about bringing people together, bringing cultures together, bringing out the best out of each other. You've got to bring the best out of each other, man. And that's amazing yeah. from, from you to hear. Like, just for under eight months, now you're captain in the country. That must have been an unbelievable experience. Like, for Thank me, you, like, to represent Curaçao was such a big moment in my life that I didn't mm. realise how big that actually was. I didn't mm. realise how big it was until I put the shirt on and listened to the national anthem and realised how proud I've made my grandma, how proud I've made my mum to represent a country, not just represent myself or a club, yeah. like, this is representing a whole country and a nation. It's like, that is just, and for you to captain a country and a nation is, is just an, another level. Like, that's, that's something that I'm aspiring to be like, that's something that I'm really uh, wanting nah, to you, like, Listen, you, you've done the same at Curaçao. I mean, the, the journey that you guys have been on, um, you guys have pretty much gone like that. 
and you've been part of that and you've been part of history for Curacao and you know you look like you're going from strength to strength so yeah you've you've definitely made family and the whole country proud and you know for for us we're probably still um probably a few years away behind Curacao if we're honest with ourselves but you know we've got a target to work to like you say we've we've built that brotherhood we've built that um that welcoming environment where overseas players can now come in and feel comfortable and feel like they're in a professional environment as well I remember we came over we had about 10 footballs we were playing on these dusty pitches and just the that people were being late to meetings people were uh, turning up with their pants down by their by their knees and do rags on it for example the, the culture's changed now I you know you have to be on time you have to uh, apply yourself correctly before and after training you have to go to bed at the right time you can't be going out during the week and you know, doing the, the, the samba at Bar Rumba on a Wednesday night. You can't be doing that. You can't, you can't be doing that. You've got to be professional. And once the games are done, then you can have your party time. But, you know, everybody's, you know, changed the culture that's gone over. And, and the progress I've seen in the last five, six years has been phenomenal. So, um, you know, we've, we've recently been told that we're going to be part of the Gold Cup preliminary rounds. It's going to be in the States again next year. So, you know, to go to back-to-back Gold Cups for Guyana, who'd never been to a major tournament prior to this. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's history-making for us. And, you know, it's about leaving legacy at the end of the day, man. It's amazing, Coxie, man. Seriously, it's so inspirational. And I hope to... You know what, it, bro? I hope that we play against you, bro. I can see I'm going to tell the gaffer... Hey, I'm going to tell the gaffer, yo, put me number 10, man. Put me number 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want that, man. I don't want that. <laughs> I would love to play against you, bro. Nah, that is lit, bro. But just to wrap up, brother, looking back at your career now, man, like with everything that you know now, with all the experiences that you've, that you've had, like what would you tell your younger self? Um, that you're going to experience a lot of ups and a lot of downs and you just can't. Um, you can't predict anything. Um, you've got to be mentally tough. Um, you've always got to remain professional for me. That would be the, the, that would be the biggest thing for me because you never know what's around the corner. Through all the, uh, the turbulent moments, um, dropping out of the football league, getting released from Spurs, um, seeing my mum uh, nearly die, um, picking up peanuts in non-league, hardly any money but if you maintain a professional attitude and give a hundred percent in anything you do the advice that my dad gave to me when I was a little boy you just never know what's around the corner um if somebody said to me that I'd be representing Guyana at a gold cup captaining and walking you know football league players and ex-premier league players and MLS players out a gold cup against the United States against Panama against Trinidad Tobago off the back of playing in non-league for the last five years I would have said how is that even how is a a person playing in non-league part-time coaching at Spurs able to walk out against America in front of 27,000 a brand new stadium against Panama just gone to the World Cup against Trinidad have gone to the World Cup how is somebody able to do that doing those part-time things (laughs) working three different jobs and being able to do that that's that's that only God could explain that. Only God could do that. And for me, like I say, having that positive attitude and trying to be 
professional and everything you do, eating right, sleeping right, drinking right, um, and giving 100%, you just never know what's around the corner. And, you know, I'm very blessed and grateful, even though I've, I've not played at the, the level that I aspired to. I've had some unbelievable experiences, Ken, and I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed. So, yeah, that would be my advice, brother. Bro, Coxie, man, you're a light, bro. You're a light. And just hearing your story, I just want to say thank you, man. I want to say thank you for coming on and just being vulnerable and speaking about your story because I know a lot of footballers are listening to this and feeling inspired because I'm feeling so inspired right now. Like I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for what the future holds for you. I know you're, obviously you're a, you're a coach for, for Spurs as well, which we, uh, which we didn't get into, but we'd, I'd love to get you back on here. Sure, um, but just thank you so much for, be, for sharing you. that story, man. It, it, it's, it's amazing. And I'm, and I'd love to be a part. I'm lo- I'd love to be a part of your journey, man. It's been amazing to you see you, to be a part of this journey with you. And bro, I wish you all the best with everything, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Nah, thank you, Kenz. And like I, I echo what you've said to me. You are a true light, man. And what you're doing now, inspiring players, inspiring people that want to be players. And yeah, and nah, I just I'm so, I'm grateful that I've connected with you after seeing you on 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 that plane uh, with the Curacao boys with all your night tracks where we've got bloody Capelli <laughs> sitting in lower class and you're sitting in upper class um, nah, I'm, so, I'm so blessed to have connected with you and, and met you and the missus and yeah man you, you continue to inspire people Just, I'm, I'm grateful to, to have you pushing me and I'm going to you know be the same with you I'm going to we keep pushing each other man and keep trying to be the best versions of ourselves bro Amen brother Amen thank you so much bro it means Love so much bro it means a lot man Yo, it's Kenji. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I want to keep this conversation going. So please send me a DM on Instagram with any thoughts, takeaways and any questions.